Likutei Sichos, Chelik Tezayin, that's volume 16, the third Sicha for Parshas Pikudei. In this Sicha, the Rebbe will explain the concept of the dwelling of the Shechina, how it's accomplished through the Mishkan, through the Tabernacle, through the Karbonois, and mainly how this became accomplished, how this was most realized through the travels of the Bnei Yisrael, the children of Israel. Also, how this applies to our life. So in our parsha, in chapter 40, beginning with verse 17, the Torah relates in detail about the assembly of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle. Then, in verse 34, it says, quote, Vayichas ha'ononis oil mo'yed uchvoyed Hashem mo'les mishkan That the onon, the cloud, covered the oil mo'yed, and the honor of God, the presence of Hashem, filled the entire Mishkan. And it describes how full it was by telling us that it was to such an extent, the next verse says, Moshe could not enter the tent of meeting. Why? For the presence of the, of the cloud was dwelling on it, was resting on it, and Hashem's honor, Hashem's presence filled the entire Mishkan. In other words, it was so overwhelming that Moshe could not enter. Then, in the final two verses of this of this parsha, verse thirty-six and thirty-seven, it says, mishkan." When the cloud would lift up from the mishkan, here it said the cloud rested on the mishkan. So, when the cloud would lift up from the mishkan, then the children of Israel would travel. And the following verse says, "If it did not lift up." then they wouldn't travel until such time that it would lift itself up. So here is the question. It seems that this, these last two verses, which tells us when they would travel and when they would not travel, and that it's contingent on the um, cloud lifting up, which was a symbol of Hashem's glory removing itself from that spot, it seems that it doesn't have any connection at all to this parsha. This Parsha is talking about what? This Parsha speaks about the assembly of the Mishkan, which was for the purpose, for the intention of Hashem dwelling in the Mishkan. And it tells us how much Hashem dwelled in the Mishkan to the extent that Moshe couldn't even enter. So how does this fit in? If anything, it would seem that this has more connection to a later Parsha in Chumash Bamidbar, in Chum, the, the book of Numbers, where over there it describes in detail the, the entire order of how they traveled and the camping and so on and so forth. That's where it belongs to tell us that when the Mishkan, uh, when the cloud lifted up from the Mishkan, that's when they traveled. That's in Parshas Baha'u'llah. Why then does it say it here? Now this question becomes even stronger considering the following Medrash. The Medrash tells us that there is a direct correlation between the end of this Parsha and the beginning of the next one, which happens to be the beginning of the next book of the Torah, book of Vayikra. What does it say? Vayikra el Moshe. And he called to Moshe, which doesn't seem to make sense. You don't begin a sentence, you don't begin a narrative with the word and. So the Medrash tells us that it's actually not the beginning of a narrative, but rather it's a continuation of this last statement here, this last um, anecdote, that namely that Moshe could not enter 
the Mishkan because the presence of God, the cloud was so overwhelming and that's where the continuation comes and he called Moshe. In other words, Moshe cannot do so until Hashem called him and so to speak, drew him in. So this would actually raise even more question in the question that we asked. You see, if this is the case, then these two verses, not only they're not, not really connected here, they don't belong here. They seem to interrupt the narrative. The narrative is that the place was full of Hashem's presence and therefore Moshe couldn't enter. And then comes the next the next Chumash, the next Parsha. And he called to Moshe. That's how Moshe was able to enter after all. Why then would it interrupt it with these two verses which seem to have nothing to do with that? It's just an interference. Says that Rebbe, the answer in all this is the following. Everything in the Torah is exact. In other words, the fact that these two parashas have just, we've just made the connection between the two, we say that they are correlated, that is not just by this minor, so to speak, uh, detail of Moshe couldn't enter and now he enters. In other words, it's not just that. There's always something deeper. And what is that? That there is an inherent connection between this Chumash, the end of this Chumash, where it talks about the dwelling of Hashem's presence in the Mishkan, and the next Chumash, which is the Chumash of Vayikra. In other words, in their full concept, the full theme, they connect together. Think about it this way. This parasha speaks about the dwelling of the Shekhinah in the Mishkan. The next parsha speaks about the korbanot, the offerings, which is A, a result, a continuation of the dwelling of the Shekhinah, and B, as we will learn, it actually takes it to the next level how the Shekhinah dwells in this world. And now we can understand that if this is the case, then there is a great reason why these two last verse, these last two verses are in are are injected here in between, because as we'll soon get a better appreciation, as we'll soon learn, these two actually bring out this idea of Hashem dwelling in this world, Hashem dwelling, and as we'll learn, not only in the Mishkan, but even in everything and, and things that are lower than the Mishkan itself. In other words, let's look at it this way. Although it seems that the last two verses are about the removal of the Shekhinah, really it's part of the process of having the Shekhinah dwell in the entire world. To understand this better, let's take a look based on the adage in Sefer Yetzirah. Sefer Yetzirah is a fundamental work of Kabbalah which describes the inner workings of the creation of the world. In the Sefer Yetzirah, there's a cardinal rule which says, which means that the way Hashem made the world in, in, in the realms of Kedusha, in the realms of holiness, the way things operate is as follows. There's always an inherent connection between the beginning and the end and the end of the beginning. In other words, because it's godly, therefore everything ultimately is seamless and it connects. What is the beginning? The obvious beginning. Between the beginning, uh, the, uh, sorry, what is the obvious connection? The obvious connection between the beginning of our Sefer, our book, the book of Exodus, the book of Shemos, that means Parsha Shemos, and this very last Parsha, if you look at it, there seems to be an obvious beginning. An obvious connection, that is, sorry. What is the obvious connection? Well, 
The first parsha is called Ve'ele Shmot B'nei Yisrael. And these are the names of the children of Israel. And Rashi tells us it's not just to mention their names, but rather he counted them by the names. In other words, the first, the very beginning of this Chumash, of this book of the Torah, the book of Exodus begins with the idea, the concept of counting. Counting who? Counting what? Counting the children of Israel because of their importance. How does this book com- conclude? Pikudei. Parshish Pikudei is again counting. Counting what? Counting all the details, all the contributions, and the distribution of them for the purpose of building the Mishkan. Now, we all know that what is really the main theme? If I have to sum up the book of Shemot, the, what is it called? As it's commonly known, the book of Exodus, and rightfully so, because what it speaks about is the Geula, the redemption of the Jewish people, and receiving the Torah, which is the ultimate redemption. The question is, if that's the case, how does that connect? Or do we need, could, should we say that this connects with the concept of counting? Because here is the book that is inherently about redemption, and it begins, and it ends, and we say the beginning and the connected, so it's like a full circle of counting. Now the question is, how could this be? If you think about the inherent characteristics of redemption versus counting, you come to the, fo- to the following results. Think of it this way. Redemption means doing what? Going out of boundaries. Breaking through any limitations. Going, so to speak, to more to the infinite versus to, from the finite. Being limited by something finite. Whereas counting, what is the inherent idea of counting? Counting, the characteristic of it is limitation. This is one, this is another one. Together you have two. Now you have another one, there's three. Each thing is sized up for what it is, and then it's counted in in whatever the count is. So the question is, how do these two come together? How do these two come together? Now, what is the idea here that they come together? Okay, so that is in general when we start off the Chumash with counting. And then the whole idea of the Chumash is about exodus, about unlimited count. Not a limited count, but being unlimited, being free, being liberated. Counting is a set, some, somewhat of a contraction of the opposite of liberation. Now let's look at the parsha of Pekudei. What is Pekudei? In the one hand you count with all the limitations, the measurements, the the amount of that was donated, the distribution exactly to the to the ounce of exactly what was used for what. In other words, everything is very finite. But on the other hand, what does it talk about? It talks about the dwelling of the shechina of godliness, which is inherently something which is infinite. And to such an extent, how did it dwell? In an infinite manner, as it says in the verse which we read, one of the last verses in the Parsha. It was so overwhelming because it was in an infinite manner that Moshe, who was a finite person, could not enter. So what do you see? The same theme you have in Parsha Shmos, in the first Parsha of the Torah, and the ver- of this, parsha, of this uh, book of the Torah, and in the very last Parsha, in Parsha Spikude. That on the one hand, we talk about limitation, about the finite, we count, and at the same time, it's inherently infinite. What is the idea behind it? In other words, what's the explanation? The idea that these two things are obviously being fused together. 
So the Rebbe explains, the idea of redemption, in other words, what is the idea of redemption? To reach the infinite, to bring about an, a, 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 an outpouring of the infinite. However, at the same time, when you say infinite, although it's fantastic and it's great, you're releasing, so to speak, godliness, the infinite light, but there could be a problem. It could be in such a manner that it overwhelms and it becomes crushing to the finite. In other words, to become so spiritual and so outpouringly infinite, holy, that can actually mean inherently that you have to do away with or it automatically does away with, inherently does away with the finite but that's not the ultimate purpose. The ultimate purpose Hashem wants is that they should come together. Why? Think of it. What does it say in the Medrash? What was Hashem's intention with creating the world? What was His purpose? What was His desire? It says Hashem willed, Hashem wanted to have a dwelling place down here. In other words, He wanted it to be in such a manner that He dwells, He is the ultimate infinite, and it should, so to speak, absorb Him, it should receive Him, it should be make place for Him, and at the same time, what does he call it? Tachtonim, in the lower worlds. In other words, it doesn't become totally dissolved. It doesn't become totally crushed. It doesn't lose its identity. Hashem wants to dwell in the lowest of the low, in this lowly world. In other words, it should remain this lowly world. And now we can appreciate, we can appreciate this connection between the count and the redemption or the counting and the dwelling of Hashem's Shechina, Hashem's, Hashem's dwelling. Because you see, this idea gets most expressed in the Jewish soul. You see, it's brought down, as the Rebbe Rashab brings down in a mimer, in a discourse, that really the ultimate purpose of everything is that Hashem wants to dwell in the neshama of the Jews. However, if He wants to dwell in the neshama of the Jews, why does He put us here in this world? In a world that really poses such great risk to our spiritual well-being, as we all know. So why does Hashem put us here? Because, he said, the explanation is, that although the ultimate is that Hashem wants to dwell in our neshama, but it can only happen, so to speak, and it only gets really expressed. Or let's just say the greatness of our neshama really becomes amplified, becomes really appreciable, when we are in this world. In other words, specifically because being in this lowly world, not being connected to the highest levels, that's where we become most effective, our neshamas. That's where we become most compatible, so to speak, and therefore receptive of this great honor, this great feat of Hashem dwelling in our neshamas. So it has to be that we have the ultimate Hashem dwelling in our neshama, in our souls, but it's only when we are down here in the lowest parts of the world. And now we can understand the beginning, better appreciate that is the beginning, I mean the connection, the connection between the beginning and the end of this Chumash. In the beginning of this Chumash, the count was about who? The count of who? Of Am Yisrael, of the Jewish people, to tell us how special we are, to show how much Hashem loves us. And in the end, it's, it's, it gets all accomplished and it all gets materialized with Hashem dwelling where? In this world. 
through the actions of Am Yisrael down here in this world by donating their material items, by taking those materials and constructing a material dwelling place, that's where Hashem um, dwelt. And this is bringing the two together, and this brings us now to better appreciate and understand, to totally understand why the last two verses, why he tells us about the travels, about how the Shekhinah goes away, how it rises up, how it leaves the Mishkan, and now it's concealed until such time that they re-erect the Mishkan, the tabernacle, and again the cloud would rest there and the Shekhinah would fill the place up. So why does it tell us that? Because this most expresses this concept of the Shekhinah, of Hashem's Shekhinah dwelling down here in the lowest of the low. Where was it that they traveled? They traveled in the desert. The desert is a symbol of a desolate place that is void not only of material things and, and creature comforts, but it's void, that's a symbol of it being void of spirituality, being void of godliness. In other words, in a thing where it doesn't seem to have any connection, any compatibility with godliness, that's where the Jews traveled. The, of course, you see, if you think about it, this is taking it a step further. This is taking it to the next level of having the Shekhinah come down into a lower level of Mata, of lower tier of this world. Think of it this way. Think of it. The Mishkan, the tabernacle itself, as much as it was indeed constructed from material items, but still at a certain level, it became holy. It has been elevated already because it was consecrated for the purpose of the Mishkan. It was given for that. And once it was constructed to conform with the dimensions of the Torah, it became a holy object. So it's not such a great feat anymore that the Shekhinah can dwell in it compared to the Shekhinah dwelling and spreading itself through the work of the Jews, through the uh, efforts of the Jewish people in, let's say, the desert, which is not compatible at all. It's not a receptacle at all, so it seems, for the presence of the Shekhinah. And that's where they brought godliness. And this is why the the, the, the Torah tells us about it. Because the ultimate purpose is bringing godliness into the world and that was realized more than anything in the travels that they did. And this is what the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneer Zalman, the founder of the Chabad movement, how he, this is what he explains really to be the deeper secret, the inner meaning of all the travels, the 42 different stops that they made throughout the duration of the 40 years, which is really, he explains, is a symbol, is symbolic of all the trials and travels and wanderings of the Jewish people throughout the entire time of the Golos until Mashiach comes, which is really the purpose of it is to bring godliness, to bring the Shekhinah in each and every aspect of the world. And now we can better appreciate the connection to the next parasha, to the next Chumash. What is the next parasha? What is the next Chumash? Talks about the offerings, the sacrifices, which is really in a sense taking it to the next level. You see, because the Shekhinah dwelling in the Mishkan is really, in a sense, bringing down what we call Melmaila Lamato, taking it from above and drawing it down, so to speak, pushing it into the Mato, the lower elements that is the world. If, if it was into the Mishkan, which I already explained, albeit it was a material thing, but still 
yet already had somewhat of an elevation, or even further into the desert, which is symbolic of the most desolate place, materially and spiritually, but still at a certain level, it's not the ultimate. The ultimate is expressed in the next point, and you see also it's almost like a, an ascent. First we go from the Shekhinah dwelling in the Mishkan, then describing how it was spread further into the outside world, into the desert, quote-unquote, and then it goes to the next Chumash, to the next Parsha, where it goes to the offerings. What is the offerings? You take the physical thing itself, the animal flesh, and the animal blood, which represents the animalism of the world, and that gets elevated. Notice the word elevated. It gets elevated to Hashem. It gets brought up to Hashem. On the altar, and then symbolically through that, it gets elevated spiritually. So that's taking it to the next level, and now we can understand better, you know, the connection between everything. I, I get to say, I'm just summarizing. We go from it saying, describing how the Shekhinah dwelled in the Mishkan. Then we take it a step further, how it goes in the last two verses, how it describes how the Jews uh, would travel. And this is telling us that even when there is a concealment of the revelation of godliness, that you don't see the godliness, but that's, and you seem to be wandering, you seem to be in the darkness, you seem to be in a desert, you have to go out there and you're not really close to the source of godliness and holiness, that's where you have the ultimate accomplishment. And then the next step is the absolute transformation, taking something, not just pushing godliness into it, but taking it and elevating it to godliness. And this perhaps can be a better uh, to, uh, uh, a better inner understanding of the words in the verse where it says literally it means when the cloud went up from the Mishkan that's when they traveled right that's the literal translation the Rebbe says based on what we explained we can better translate this from a more esoteric perspective that it means when you want to reach into the depth, into a higher level of the cloud, which represents the Shekhinah, that's when you travel. When even though there's a concealment, but then you're accomplishing more. Then you're elevating. Behalot comes from the word elevating. You're actually elevating things even more by reaching now on a much deeper level the purpose and accomplishing the purpose of what it's all about. What Hashem had in mind in creating this world. And this is a message for our times. This is a lesson for us. Many times we find ourselves in that wandering state, in the desert, in the darkness. Whether it's personally, perhaps we're not in the best standing when it comes to our Torah study and our mitzvah observance. And one can become a little dismayed. And one can become a little turned off perhaps. And perhaps even get into the despair and think, why, what's this about? Says the Rebbe, that's the time when you can bring the ultimate Shekhinah. You can actually accomplish the ultimate when you break through it and you bring into that darkness, you bring godliness. And of course, collectively, when a Jew finds himself any place in the world and asks himself, why am I here? What am I, why do I have to be here? Why, not only if you're a shliach and you're out there in a certain post, but you know, you're on business and you're out there working in the world and you say, what do I need this all for? As a from Jew, why is this happening to me? So here you have to know, says the Rebbe, Mahashem The verse says that from God, the footsteps of man are ordained. And he's the one who puts us where we are. For what purpose? The same purpose that it, like it describes in our parsha, And when the cloud lifted up, and meaning when the 
when the presence of Hashem seems to disappear, and you're out there traveling out there in the desert, that's where, as we explained in the Sicha, that's where you have the ultimate ability to really accomplish uh, 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 um, bringing godliness into the world on an absolute next level.